a listener production. G'day, I'm Mark Pesci. I'd like to share a few stories that I've come across as I've researched the series on sustainability. The first story, it takes us to Greenland. Let me quote the New York Times from the 20th of August, 2021. Something extraordinary happened last Saturday at the frigid high point of the Greenland ice sheet, two miles in the sky and more than 500 miles above the Arctic Circle. It rained for the first time. The rain at a research station, not just a few drops or a drizzle, but a stream for several hours as temperatures rose slightly above freezing, is yet another troubling sign of a changing Arctic, which is warming faster than any other region of the planet. Now, there is no evidence for it having rained on the top of Greenland ice sheet for the 40 years we've been up there keeping watch. And in computer simulations that extrapolate further back, they say, no, nothing there either. This is something new. This is something that hasn't happened before, at least not as far back as we can look. And in the past 2,000 years, and we know this from looking at ice cores of the massive glacier that is Greenland, The temperature up there has only risen above freezing six times. Six times in 2,000 years, and then in 2012, 2019, and 2021. Three times in a decade. That's the first story. Park that. Now the second story. This one comes via Vice News. It's a recent survey published the day before I recorded this episode. And the headline, it says it all. 56% of young people think humanity is doomed. A global survey of 10,000 16 to 25-year-olds, it found that 45% of them were experiencing so much anxiety about the future, it's affecting their ability to function normally, crippling anxiety. And here in Australia, at least half of the young people surveyed believe humanity is doomed because of climate change. Half. And that That just breaks my heart because I can understand why they feel this way. They feel as though they're living in a world that's hurtling toward an apocalypse, one that they can see, but one that they can't stop. And I remember being that age, watching the Cold War grind away between the U.S. and the USSR, wondering whether I'd be vaporized in an all-out nuclear war and feeling as though I was living in a world that was hurtling toward an apocalypse, one that I couldn't stop. But one that I knew full well could be stopped if people made that decision. And they did. I mean, it is not a perfect world. There are still lots of nuclear weapons, but we're not living with that constant doom anymore. No, we're living with a new doom. Okay, park that one too. Now, the third story. It's a data story from Our World in Data, which lays out the carbon emissions per capita by country. And Australia is quite near to the top of that list, up there almost with Saudi Arabia. 
ahead of the United States and Canada, way ahead of Russia. We are an incredibly polluting nation. There's no way to gloss this. It's the truth and it's an ugly truth. Now, I am very proud to be Australian, but I'm ashamed of that, of us. And look, I know all the reasons why this is and how we got here, and that an unholy nexus of politics and capital makes it so difficult for us to even talk about change. But I look at how our young people are feeling. I see the rains in Greenland, and I know that things have to change. But I also know, after all the research I've done to prepare for this series, that we have the capacity to change, that we have everything we need to change. That part is done. It's all ready. But are we? Throughout the whole of the next billion seconds, I have tried to avoid being prescriptive because it is not up to me to tell you what to do. It's my job to share what I've learned about the future and let you make your own decisions. So pardon me just a moment as we depart from that for the next little while, because I'm going to make three very strong recommendations that are drawn from everything that we've learned across this series. The first, change your electricity provider to one who uses 100% renewable energy. Coal-fired electricity generation makes up a full third of domestic carbon emissions in Australia. And it's basically unnecessary. There is so much renewable energy being built and coming online in Australia now that every one of us can be buying and using renewable energy. Now, how do you do this? Well, that is a fair question. Fortunately, the folks at Choice, and that's the nonprofit that helps consumers make buying decisions. So Choice have got an excellent web page to guide you through identifying the best provider of renewable electricity. Now, many of the providers aren't as clean as they present themselves. So once you've found that provider, they can also help you make the switch. That's the first strong recommendation. It's one that will have an immediate impact. It will move the needle. The second one, eat less meat. Even when Rob Kinley gets all of Australia's steers and lambs eating seaweed and they stop producing methane, meat is still incredibly energy and resource intensive. One kilogram of beef, it creates 100 kilograms of carbon emissions. And each Australian eats, on average, nearly 100 kilograms of meat each year. So that's as much as 10 tons of carbon emissions per Australian times 25 million Australians. That all adds up. So maybe... Of the 21 or so meals we eat each week, maybe just one of them that might have meat in it, maybe make that one meatless. And I know no one wants to change their diet. We like what we like. It's not like changing an electricity provider, but here's the thing. We've got to do this. It's got to be done. And it won't be the end of the world. No one is saying go vegan or even vegetarian. Just, you know, eat a bit less meat. One less meal a week. That's it. It's not hard. And it makes a difference. That's 5% less meat. So instead of 10 tons of carbon, you're generating nine and a half tons times 25 million people. It all adds up. And finally, 
transportation. Now, that's about 20% of domestic emissions here in Australia. Maybe we could all drive a bit less. That's actually easier than it sounds. A lot of us are already working from home a lot more than we did before the pandemic. So we are already driving less. You might not have to change anything. Just keep doing what you're doing now. And when the time comes in a year or two or three, look at buying an electric car. Because although it's a bit of an investment now, it will pay for itself, both in a lower cost of operation, in higher reliability, and in far lower carbon emissions. So that's one, two, three. Switch to clean electricity, eat one less meal with meat a week, and drive a bit less. None of this is hard. None of it will be painful. We always think that change like this has to be hard and painful. It's not. In fact, it's empowering. And that empowerment, it's important because those 16 to 25-year-olds, they see that. They see folks making changes and that, that will give them grounds for hope. In a moment, some reflections on the journey, a journey that's just beginning. The final thing we need to understand is that this is a numbers game. So let's revisit some numbers. In the first episode, I pointed out that when I was born nearly 59 years ago, atmospheric carbon dioxide stood at 319 parts per million, and that it's grown a full third since then. But that's not really true. And here, in this final segment, I want to correct the record. You see, the pre-modern level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, you know, back before we learned how to burn coal, to generate steam, to create pressure, to do work. Back before that all took off in the middle of the 18th century, atmospheric carbon dioxide stood at 270 parts per million. And it had been at that level for a long time, thousands and thousands of years. So it took around 200 years for that level to increase by 49 parts per million, where it stood in the world into which I was born. And that's really the relevant number here, 49 parts per million. Now, at the end of next year, I'll turn 60 years old. I can hardly believe it myself, but not believing it doesn't mean it won't happen. And when it does, well... Atmospheric carbon dioxide will measure around 417 parts per million. That's 98 parts per million more than when I was born, which is 49 parts per million more than before we began to burn coal. It all lines up. It's really all a bit too neat because what that tells me is that over the course of my lifetime, we've added twice as much carbon dioxide to the atmosphere as had been added in all of human history prior to when I was born. We haven't grown by a third. We've doubled. And here's the thing. It's been a good run. I have been fortunate to grow up in an age of incredible advances in science and technology, of incredible wealth and prosperity. Now, none of that is evenly distributed, that's for sure, but I have been one of the beneficiaries. And I, I and a whole bunch of people who are around my age, we got the best of a very good run. And now, looking back on it, looking back on all of it, the last six episodes and the last 60 years, the last nearly two billion seconds, well, when I look back on it, I have to say that maybe now is a good moment to assess what we owe 
for what we've been given. And I don't mean that in a financial sense. I mean that in a much broader sense. Because folks my age, we are pretty much sitting in the big chairs now. This is that time. My friends are CEOs and the deans of universities and entrepreneurs and broadcasters and artists. And there's a lot of capability there, a lot of capacity, a lot of potential for change. And it feels as though this is that moment, the moment of change. When the IPCC dropped their sixth report on the physical science basis for climate change in August of 2021 and outlined the shared socioeconomic pathways, they were doing more than they knew because that language, shared socioeconomic pathways, that language makes it everyone's problem. And of course it is. We're all on Earth together. And it feels as though this is exactly the right way to frame it, that this is a shared problem and also a shared project with shared goals. But, and here I come back to the amazing benefits I've experienced in my own life. I remember something that I was taught a long time ago. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Or, you know, as they say it in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. We got the power. Me, my generation, not all of us, sure, but some of us, enough of us, enough of us to change things, certainly. And this is where I begin to feel like we need to step up. I need to step up. I look at myself and I ask, am I stepping up? Something weird has been happening to me, something unexpected. All of my work, not just as a podcaster, but as a writer and a futurist and a teacher and all the rest, all of it is suddenly pivoted to face this problem directly, to face this project directly. Something shifted in me, sure, but also in the world. Is it the recognition that we really only have a dozen years to get this well in hand or that we feel like we really understand the problems now or that we feel we have a handle on the solutions? Have we stopped feeling powerless or have we decided that we don't care whether we feel powerless? We're just going to do it anyway because it's time, because it's right. So if you're listening to this, I'm asking you, hold me to this. Hold my feet to the fire. Check in on me. Am I being true to what I know to be true? Am I using the opportunity I have been given to do what I can? It feels like this is a good time to make that kind of commitment, to take a vow. I promise to use this opportunity to change. Change myself and, you know, within the boundaries of the possible, change the world. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, producer Ed Gooden, and sound production by Darcy Thompson. Big thanks to all the amazing guests who joined us over the course of this series. If you like this show, hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who might like it too, please share it with them. For more about the topics in this show, including links to the article in choice that will help you select a non-polluting electricity provider, please visit our website at nextbillionseconds.com. This is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening. Listener.